college can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay. Good evening, Broncos country, and welcome back to another Huddle Up! Podcast. Anyone who's followed me on my Facebook Lives back in the day, that's how I did the intro. Just throwing it back for a second. Welcome in, though. Another Huddle Up! Podcast. As you can see, I am solo for this episode. Chad is dealing with some family issues that he mentioned yesterday. This is kind of an untraditional Thursday podcast, but I am your host for tonight. This is the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I am Zach Kelberman. I will be your host for this evening. We actually have, guys, a lot of great Broncos topics to jump into today. We have some news. We have some analysis. We have some opinion. We have a little bit of everything. It's a nice little smorgasbord of Broncos-related talk tonight. Uh, before I get really deep into it, though, I did want to take, before we lose the um, the chat, I wanted to highlight Mark Langley's question. Mark jumping in with $20 donation. Mark, you are the man. You are the best. I just want to take these questions before I jump in any further. But he wants to know, he goes, or he says, the first time I heard Garrett's press conference, he was talking about how he was going to knock guys' groin parts in the ground. You sure he wasn't talking about his? Can't say the actual word because it's a family-friendly show. Yeah, you know, these these Garrett Bowles comments, Mark, they literally literally do make my night every time we do these podcasts. You are literally hilarious, and I laugh genuinely. Thank you so much for your continued support, and thank you for being the, the comedic humor and the lightheartedness we need and the levity we need during these crazy times right now. So, Mark, I salute you. Thank you. I appreciate you. He also jumped in with another donation. Mark, you don't have to do that. That is incredible. And, again, we, we definitely appreciate it, Chad and I speaking for him. And Mark says, what's up, Zach? Garrett? Uh, doesn't know his position of left tackle, let alone his left nut. Every time you see him sitting on the bench with his head down, you know that Bino isn't working. Hashtag football priest, hashtag MHH. What, what more is there left to say about Garrett Bowles at this point and Mark Langley's comments? Thank you again, Mark. Hopefully other people, aside from me, get a kick out of that. I think it's hilarious. 
But, you know, some people don't have a sense of humor. Anyway, though, we have, like I said, a, a pretty jam-packed episode for it being kind of a sleepy Thursday, me being alone on this podcast, not a lot going on in the NFL world. We have some news. We have some, like I said, some analysis to get to. Before I jump into that, though, I want to just go through my usual spiel right here or, or do what Chad would be doing. Make sure you guys, if you're not already following the main account, Huddle Up Podcast, on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. Also, as Chad always says, follow the mother account at Huddle. And as you can see on the screen below you, if you can't do those things or you won't do those things, we want you guys to at least subscribe to the podcast, like this podcast, and share it out. Help it reach a bigger audience. Help it grow organically. We just hit 7K. We're, we're on the train. We're on the move to 10K and beyond. We're going to get there hopefully by the season. Hopefully by September, 10K is our goal. But you guys always do a great job helping out. And it's another call to action. If you can, subscribe, like, and share. And also, if you feel up to it, if you can, if you're financially able to at this moment, don't feel any pressure. But if you can, go to huddleuppod.com. Get your swag Like we always say, you can see it behind me. Get yourself a football priest huddle up pod hat. Get yourself a football priest t-shirt. Get yourself a mug. Get yourself a face covering. There's a little bit of everything for every single audience, every single pod. It's on the store. The Mile High Insider Pod, that kind of swag is coming soon. Don't worry about that. But right now, if you guys can, we appreciate your support. If you're able to, go get some swag. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Okay, that is my little intro for today. I want to kind of just make this a kind of a rapid-fire podcast, jump right into it. Like I said, we actually have some things to talk about today. And I did want to open with this article that you can find on Mile High Huddle. It is a SI, kind of a... um, 
a roundtable projection fantasy stats for Drew Locke, the Broncos offensive players, Cortland Sutton, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay. Um, it's just right now at this point, we don't have much to go on. We don't have much to talk about. So yeah, as fantasy season kind of inches closer, you, you're seeing these projections, these predictions, these prognostications, and one came out today that I wanted to get into. Just jump right into it, though. Um, they have for Drew Locke, and this was from SI Fantasy, so Sports Illustrated Fantasy released their outlook for the 2020 Denver Broncos. There's some debate here as to what where they peg Denver and where we peg Denver. I think they're a little more on the realistic side, maybe even the pessimistic side, whereas I think with Drew Locke and the Broncos offense, I think the stats can, can take a bigger leap in 2020. But to start off with Locke, they predict he will go three – 323 out of 516, so that's 63% completion percentage, 3,825 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, 12 picks, 54 rushing yards, 54 rushes, excuse me, for 167 yards and two rushing scores. I don't really care uh, about the rushing stats. He's not Lamar Jackson. He, he's not a scrambling quarterback. But to just the passing stats in there, 63% for Drew Locke. I, I think that's fair. I think that's a very good standard for him to be in, considering he is a, a gunslinging quarterback. He's going to take his chances, especially with a guy like Pat Shermer, who loves to air it out, who loves to take to the air, and he has the weaponry around him, Drew Locke, and he he's going to want to get rid of the ball and uh, get get it to his playmaker. So 63%, I can rock with that. Any Anywhere in the 60 range and the closer to 66, which is two out of three, that's a good range for Drew Locke to be in. 3,800 passing yards, uh, that's something that I predict as well. I do think it, it will not be 4,500. But it's also not going to be 3,000. I think he will eclipse anywhere from 38 to 39. Maybe if things break correctly, if Jerry Judy has a bigger season, if Noah Fan has a big season, I could see 4,000 yards. But 38 is a very, very safe bet for Drew Locke in his first season as a full-time starting quarterback with all this uncertainty right now with so many new weapons, new pieces along the offensive line, 3,800 yards I think is very fair. It might be on the low end of the predictions, but if that's the floor for Drew Locke, uh, he's in a pretty good place. Uh, 26 passing touchdowns. This is where I kind of, I, I could see it being a little higher. If he's going to approach 4,000 passing yards and, and 63% completion percentage, he's probably going to have... I would say 28, maybe 30 touchdowns, especially with these weapons. Like I mentioned, it's not just one guy or another. It's not just Cortland Sutton. It's not just Jerry Judy. It's not just KJ Hamler. It's not just Noah Fan. He has them all. Then when you consider Melvin Gordon, who they brought in to catch passes, then when you consider they have Philip Lindsay, he, he can catch passes out of the backfield. He's going to be used as an offensive game breaker. I can definitely see this, this statistic being higher. So 26 is on the low end. I'm going to say 28, 29, 30 in that range. If things break correctly, if he hits 4,000 yards, I can see 35 touchdowns. I can see 32 touchdowns. I just think 26 is a little low um, for Drew Locke and, and his, uh, his ceiling in 2020. 12 interceptions. I can uh, I can get on board with this. I, like I mentioned, he's, he's not going to be an Alex Smith, Drew Locke. He's not going to be a game manager. Even though he's still a young player, a raw player with a lot to prove, they're not going to make him something he isn't. It's exactly why they fired Scangarello, they fired T.C. McCartney, and they brought in Shermer and Shula, two of the most established quarterback whisperers 
in the NFL. They did it for that reason to let Locke be Locke, let him loose, let him air out the football. He's not going to be Brett Favre in his first starting season. He's not going to be maybe even Tony Romo in his first starting season, but he's going to be a gunslinger who I think takes a lot of chances and uh, and and does a lot of things good and bad. So if you're expecting five interceptions or six interceptions, you have another thing coming to you. So 12, I think, is fair, and you extrapolate that. It's way more touchdowns than picks. 12 to 14, I think, is in the range for Drew Locke if 26 to 30 touchdowns is also his range. So I think that's pretty fair for him. And overall, like I said, I don't really care about 54 rushes for 167 yards. Although I do think he's going to make some plays with his legs. He's going to break and tain, but he's still a pure, for the most part, a pocket passer in this offense. He's a prototypical quarterback, so I'm not even uh, looking at the rushing stats. Moving on, though, to Melvin Gordon. This is, again, a a stats-based prediction for the 2020 Broncos offense, going player by player here. We just did Drew Locke. Now we're going to the running backs. So SI has, for Melvin Gordon, 212 carries, 869 rushing yards, eight touchdowns, and then 47 receptions, 345 yards, and two receiving touchdowns. I am fully on board with the rushing stats. Between Philip Lindsay being uh, in the backfield as well and also having you know the, the plethora of wide receivers and being a pass-first offense for the most part, I think this, this number is is appropriate for Melvin Gordon. I don't think the Broncos are going to have a pure 1,000-yard back, but I think between Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay, they will combine for well over 1,000 yards collectively. Here's where I disagree, though. 47 receptions for 345 receiving yards. I really don't know what that – I am not. I don't math at all. I don't, I don't know what that breaks down to. It doesn't seem like, though, that's a great return on the Broncos' investment. 47 receptions is pretty good, but only 345 receiving yards. Anyone in the comments real quick, let me know what that average is. Because if they're bringing in Melvin Gordon, they're paying him $16 million, they're paying him like a top-five running back, he better put up at least 500 receiving yards. He better make do – and earn that money with way more than what they're projecting for him. And uh, also two receiving touchdowns. So not to go on a Melvin Gordon tangent right now, but you're going to pay the guy $16 million. You're going to piss off Philip Lindsay in the process only to get Melvin Gordon for 345 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. If that happens, the signing will be a mistake. They brought him in primarily to catch passes, primarily to be receiver out of the backfield, or else they could have just had Philip Lindsay do it. They could have drafted a pass-catching running back. That's where I disagree. I can see the rushing yards absolutely being on point. 47 receptions, though, for 345 and two touchdowns. What's the point? What's the use? I, I just... That's what I disagree with. He, he needs to do way more than that to justify the money he's making. Now, though, moving on to Philip Lindsay. This is, again, where I think the Broncos aren't going to have a pure 1,000-yard rusher, and SI also agrees with that. 129 carries, 606 rushing yards, and five touchdowns. Okay, you know, that's fair, even though Melvin Gordon had eight touchdowns, so 13 rushing touchdowns between the two of them. You know, it's, it's pretty good for these collection of running backs. I think they'll have a little more in reality, especially near the goal line. Melvin Gordon will be that workhorse back. But this is where it, it contradicts itself. And this is where, I, I again, it, it adds to my argument that the Broncos did not need Phillip Lindsay because SI is projecting 47 receptions, which is the same amount they predicted for Melvin Gordon, ironically, but 345 receiving yards, which is the same also, ironically, and three receiving touchdowns. So again, for a guy who, quote-unquote, can't catch passes, he's going to have more receiving touchdowns than the guy you just paid $16 million to. This is just 
one person's opinion. It's it's just a projection. It's June. There's nothing going on right now. But if Philip Lindsay ends the season in real life, not on paper, in real life, and if he has more receiving touchdowns than the guy you brought in to catch passes and make receiving touchdowns, it's going to be egg on John Elway's face. No, no doubt about it. it. It's one thing to pay Melvin Gordon, uh, you know, five million dollars a year, but they're paying him eight million dollars. They're paying him sixteen total, most of which is guaranteed. And then you're going to have the guy that you kind of ticked off in the process outperform him in the one area where Melvin Gordon should succeed. Um, not much more I can say about that. You guys know how I feel. I, I didn't like the Melvin Gordon edition all that much, but I, I justified it by, okay, he's a better pass catcher. He's going to have more passing, catching yardage. He's going to have more touchdowns. If this works out that way, it's not. It's going to backfire on the Broncos. It's going to go down as one of the uh, the lower-grade moves that John Elway ever made. But not to bog down the pod, I, I, we've, we talked about Phillip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon so, so often. Uh, I'm going to just jump into the, the tight ends right now with Noah Fant. This is a little optimistic. He has, or SI has, 56 receptions for 740 yards and five touchdowns. Could this be a case where a, a national media type does not recognize the ins and outs of the Broncos? And this is where Chad and I always talk about they really don't know that Pat Shermer, at least recently in his recent stops, at least what he said since he's come to Denver, he's not going to utilize the tight end too much. And even though Noah Fant is a great prospect, even though he has future, I, I think, Pro Bowl upside, 56 receptions for 740 yards It's and five touchdowns. The touchdowns I could see. I mean, the red zone, I mean, between the 20s, I can see Noah Fant housing five scores. But 740 yards, a little too optimistic. And considering, again, not only does Shermer not use a tight end too much, you have Cortland Sutton. You have Jerry Judy. You have KJ Hamler. You have Deshaun Hamilton. You have Tim Patrick. You have Gordon and Lindsey. I don't know that Fant is going to hit that mark. And if he did, that means that means the entire offense is balling. That means Fant took a giant next step in his uh, development. And that means Drew Locke is spreading the ball around and putting up the yardage. I think it'll be somewhere in the 45 reception range, the 500 to 600 yard range. And I can see five touchdowns happening as well. So I'm going to take uh, the optimistic approach with that projection. So moving on to wide receivers. Uh, we have Cortland Sutton here, and this is where this is ridiculous. I have a lot to say about this one. They have, for Cortland Sutton, and I don't understand how they can do this, uh, 69 receptions for 997 yards and seven touchdowns. You're going to tell me, a guy who had uh, over 1,000 yards last year, he had 1,100 yards last year, he's not going to break 1,000 yards this season when he has way more talent around him, when he has a way better quarterback, way better coaching, and, and the quarterback has a better offensive line, which means more time to get the ball downfield to Sutton. I, I, I don't know if it's ignorance. I don't know if it's laziness. I don't know if people don't realize the talent that Cortland Sutton is. But he is going to be an all-pro candidate and a Pro Bowl candidate, a lock for the Pro Bowl this season. He's going to have well over 997 yards. He's probably going to hit that mark by week 11, week 12. I'm taking the way, way, way over in both these areas. Yeah, you have Jerry Judy. Uh, yeah, you have KJ Hamler. Yeah, you have the players that I mentioned. But 69 receptions for your number one wide receiver, 997 yards for your number one wide receiver, seven touchdowns. It's going to be higher, higher, and higher. It's going to be somewhere in the 80 
catch range. It's going to be in the 1,200-yard range and probably in the 10 to 12 touchdown range. He has, again, all pro upside in this offense. He did it last year. He did it with Flacco. He did it with Brandon Allen. He did it the year before that. I mean, the guy is just a phenomenal talent, and I don't know why people are down on either him or the Broncos offense, but that is, that's the one where I disagree the most. He's going to have way higher stats than they're projecting. Uh, moving on, though, to Jerry Judy, and this is a little more realistic, I would say. Uh, it's uh, For a rookie in this offense, he has to get the bearings under him. It's going to be maybe a little bit slow out of the gates, and he has, uh, again, Drew Locke, other mouths to feed. He's going to lean on Cortland Sutton, probably lean on Noah Fan, only because he has experience with them. He doesn't, for now, have experience with Jerry Judy. That being said, though, 62 receptions for 883 yards and seven touchdowns. It's it's funny that they project almost the same amount of yardage for the rookie receiver as they do the number one established bona fide guy in Cortland Sutton, and, and the same I believe it's the uh, yeah the same amount of uh, of, uh, of receiving touchdowns and only seven less receptions. This is it, he's going to have uh, I, I believe in the in the seven hundred and fifty to eight hundred yard range, maybe eight fifty or so. Um, but he's not going to be in the same stratosphere as Cortland Sutton. And that says more about Sutton's projection than it does Jerry Judy. I can see 62 receptions. I can see 800 yards and I can see maybe uh, five to seven to eight touchdowns. But again, he's not going to be anywhere near the vicinity of Cortland Sutton. Sutton's going to be the, the only, I think, surefire thousand yard r- player on this offense. He's going to have a double digit touchdown in his stack column. That's just. I believe any Broncos fan would agree with that. And I think most national media types know what Cortland Sutton is. If he had 1,100 yards last year with half of the team around him. So uh, a little too optimistic in certain areas and pessimistic in others. I don't really agree with that all that much. Now, though, with K.J. Hamler, I think this is a little more realistic. It's 30 receptions for 417 yards and uh, three touchdowns. This is... This is, I think, on par. Broncos fans are expecting him to come in right away and just be this speed demon, Tyreek Hill, blow the top off the defense. That might happen eventually. I mean, he he might grow into that role, but we don't know what he's going to settle in as, as an NFL player. He, I don't think he's the number one guy. I, I think he's a, a great, great, excellent uh, number three guy. He's a, probably a pretty great number two guy, but number one, I don't know about that. So this these stats, I think, fit what K.J. Hamler will be in this Broncos offense. He's going to be, and I hate to burst some bubbles, more of a situational guy at least in the early goings of the season. He's going to be just a decoy on some routes. He's going to be the speed guy on other routes. He might not even see the field in certain packages. They just have too many mouths to feed. So 30 receptions, 417 yards, three touchdowns. I can even see the touchdowns being a little higher, maybe four or five. But this is a, a good projection for K.J. Hamler, a guy who's going to come in and be a contributor, but but no means is he going to be a starter and no means is he going to be the guy leading this offense. I think this is way more realistic, way more than Cortland Sutton. Let's go. Let's keep going here if we can. I, th- I believe that's it, actually. So it was just, yeah, it was just the main. They didn't do like Royce Freeman. They didn't do Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton. They didn't do some of the lower end players. That's pretty much the gist of it. I, I think, I mean, 60% of it, I think, is realistic. But Cortland Sutton. Less than a thousand receiving yards. That's that's ridiculous. That's just lazy analysis. And again, an outside guy not really knowing 
uh, what the Broncos are capable of. So if you guys agree or disagree, let me know in the comments. After I get into all these these uh, news bits tonight, I want to take your questions. It's kind of a just a unconventional pod tonight, kind of a half mailbag, half news, half analysis. Let me know what you guys think, though. What do you about the projections? Do you think Locke's going to have more? Sutton's definitely going to have more. Do you agree with me? Disagree with me? Uh, let me know. But we do have Devin jumping in with a $5 donation. Thank you so much, Devin. He wants to know, what's up, guys? Just graduated Navy boot camp. Time to catch up on my Broncos. Devin, that is awesome. Congratulations on that. I, I wish you the best in your career. Uh, let us know how you're, how you're doing as you go through your journey, and uh, we appreciate your support in uh, watching these podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. All right, Jody says 21 and a half yards a game receiving. Is that for Melvin Gordon? Because if that's the case, that is a waste of money. I mean, you're going to pay a guy $16 million to have him average 21 yards a game. I can do that. You, Buana can do that. Chad can do that. Anyone can do that. But you're going to pay a guy $8 million. It has to be more. I'm not saying he has to average 100 yards. He's not going to be Marshall Falk on his prime. But 21 yards and, and change a game for $16 million doesn't really add up. Uh, so 7.3 yards of reception average. And again, I mean, would you would you take that? Would you pay a guy $8 million to average 7.3 yards per game? Can Philip Lindsay not do that? I have a tweet on Twitter where I took a clip from last year's uh, Broncos-Packers game where Philip Lindsay catches a, a kind of an errant pass from Joe Flacco out of the backfield, and immediately he secures the reception, he makes a guy miss in the open field, and he averages like a 25-yard gain. That's what Philip Lindsay can do. He can catch the ball. He is, his hands aren't made of, of literal bricks. It can happen. So if you're going to bring in Melvin Gordon, and if you have enough conviction for him to be the workhorse, for him to be the guy, you better average more than 24 yards or 7.3 yards per catch. It has to be more explosive. He has to uh, justify the money. And I don't think anyone, no matter how you feel about Melvin Gordon, uh, can deny that. Uh, Glenn says they have Philip Lindsay averaging five yards a carry. You know what? 
that's what he's capable of. I, I can see that. I mean, again, I watched film of, of the Broncos last year. They had a, a, a way worse offensive line. They had Joe Flacco was the quarterback. And not only that, they ran Lindsey inside. They didn't really bounce him outside too much, which baffled me. But still, he was pushing the line. He was fighting through the hole. He was making yards down the field. I can see it happening. I, I, I do believe Philip Lindsey, say what you want about him. You can talk about his height. You can talk about his his wrist injury. You can talk about anything you want with Lindsey. But he is way more, I think, of a workhorse than the Broncos think and some of the fans think. Yeah, I agree about Noah Fant, uh, Robert. I agree. It sounds more realistic. He, he's not going to be an instant Rob Gronkowski in his prime. He's not going to be the, the leading receiver in this offense. He's going to get his looks. I, I believe Phil, uh, Drew Locke trusts him as a safety blanket, but I believe that projection was pretty accurate. Uh, Nick says, the tight end position pisses me off the most. It's overloaded, I believe. Yeah, you know what? Chad and I talk about this all, all, all the time. I don't understand why they're hanging on to Jeff Hireman right now. I mean, they can clear $4 million for and change if they just release him. He has no future in this organization. You have a first-round pick and no offense. You signed Nick Vanette to a – you gave him some money, so he's going to be on the roster. You drafted a tight end. So why would you, you know, why would you waste your time with Hireman? Jake Butt, they're wasting their time. I mean, they have some young guys like uh, Austin Ford and Andrew Beck, but yeah, it is overloaded, and they're just taking up roster space, and they're just taking up money right now. I, I don't get it. Uh, Trevor uh, chiming in, man, I'm thinking that's more on the low for fan. You know, I, I, you, I agree, disagree. Honestly, like I, I just think it, between having so many mouths to feed in this offense and no fan, it, it's so tough for tight ends to develop. And we talk about it being year one. We talk about them taking time, and it does. But he was kind of – he had to refine his game a lot coming out of college. And I think he, as the year wore on last year, he got more comfortable. He still has a lot more to prove. And in this offense, again, Shermer does not prioritize tight ends, and there's so many mouths to feed. If they wanted to make Noah Fan a, a staple of this offense, they wouldn't have drafted two uh, receivers with their first two picks. This is a wide receiver-based offense, not a tight end-based offense. If he can put up those numbers they're projecting, I think that's a solid season for Noah Fan. Uh, Stu jumping in. Zeus from the clouds. Stu McPeak chiming in with $20 donation. Thank you so, so much, Stu. Uh, he says, Zach's rocking the pod. Nice job. Thanks. Appreciate you, Stu. Yeah, you know, I mean, I saw a comment that said I, I watched you on 24-7. Anyone who's tuned in years ago knows I, I've been doing this a while. I used to do Facebook Lives for 24-7, but it was just me. I had no, it wasn't super chat. There wasn't much interaction like there is now, but it was just me. It's kind of a throwback to that. I miss Chad, but you know, he's handling his own business right now and uh, got to keep going, you know, got to keep grinding. Austin chiming in four ninety nine. Thank you so much, Austin, for that donation. He goes, I recently saw a prediction of Noah Fant being the third best tight end in the last five years. think that's reasonable. I'd like to know uh, if that means the third best tight end in the NFL or the third best Oh, the third best by 2025 is what he's saying. Uh, you know, in in five years from now, if he's not at least, you know, in the top 10 being a first round pick, I think that's a wasted pick. And by then we'll know whether he was a bust. Top three, though, it's so hard to say. I, I mean, it, it's not a cop out answer. There's so much parody in the in the NFL. We don't even know what's going to happen this season, let alone a, a half decade from now. I do believe if he pans out like he will, he has top 10 potential. He might have top five potential. Uh, but if you're going to use a first-round pick on a tight end, especially in this offense, he's going to have to eventually justify that draft status. I don't know about third best in five years, uh, but I do think with his ceiling, he could be a top 10 guy and consistently over the course of his career.
Uh, Robert chiming in, uh, the opposition will double-team Sutton this year. That is what will open things up for the other targets. But they were double-teaming him last year. He had no one to draw the double-teams away from him. Now he does. Now KJ Hamler can be that decoy. You have Melvin Gordon. You have Jerry Judy. So it's actually going to open up more for Sutton than some people think. It's He was doing all these numbers the last couple seasons, especially last year, by himself. He had no help. He was drawing double teams, bracket coverage, triple teams. They were bumping him at the line of scrimmage, and he still made those yardage. So I, I'm not, I'm not using that as an excuse to justify less than a thousand yards for your number one wide receiver, the most established guy in this offense who has unlimited potential, can go down being a Rod Smith type for the Broncos when his career is said and done. I don't agree with that at all. I think that the the additions to this offense will help Sutton. They're not going to hurt Sutton. All right, Frank, uh, jumping in with a $1.99 donation. Thank you so much, Frank. He asked, do you think our offense can finish in the top five? Good question. You know, never say never. I will say that. I'm, I'm a really optimistic guy when it comes to the 2020 Broncos offense. I've made that clear. Uh, you know, it, it, They have just an unreal potential. On paper, they're just stacked on offense. In reality, though, when you think about it, no offseason, so many new moving parts, so many new starters, a new coaching staff on offense, Drew Locke being a first-year starter, I don't know about top five. I think that's a little too optimistic, even for me, and I think for most Broncos fans as well. That being said, though, if things click, if the stars align, if Locke takes that next step, they can have a top 10 offense. And you pair a top 10 offense with what can be easily a top five defense, you're talking about a bona fide playoff team who can probably make some noise into January and go on a run. I don't know about top five. It would take just an extraordinary uh, step forward and it would take no injuries and all the Broncos getting all the breaks and everything like that. And I just don't think it's that realistic. Top 10 though, that's something they can shoot for. Ben, Ben Lee asks, is 400 yards worth a second round pick? I don't, I don't really, uh, oh, you mean for KJ Hamler? That's, you really can't justify that because I think they made the, the Hamler selection in the second round, not only for this season, but for beyond this season. I mean, this is a guy who's going to take a while to grow in to his NFL body in more ways than one, figuratively and literally. He had some issues in college. He, he wasn't of this advanced, NFL pro-ready day one prospect like Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb or even Henry Ruggs, he's going to take some time to develop. And especially in this offense, like I said, you have so many moving parts. You have so many mouths to feed. How could you justify getting the ball to KJ Hamler over uh, Cortland Sutton, over Noah Fant, over Jerry Judy? So 400 yards, it, it also depends on the context of those yards. If they come in bunches and chunk plays, 20 yards down the field, 30 yards down the field, if they come on third downs, it it we it all is a matter of context. So I wouldn't look at it as the scope of, oh, it's only 400. He wasn't worth a second-round pick. It's a, a pick they made for beyond this season. He has to grow into this. And at first, like I said, like Chad's been saying as well, he's going to be a rotational guy, a situational guy. He's not always going to be on the field. He's not a staple like a Sutton or even a Jerry Judy. So I'm not looking at the yards through a black-and-white vacuum. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. 
The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Uh, KP jumping in with a five dollar donation. Thank you so much, Kevin. Where do these dudes come up with their reasoning? He wants to know. Uh, Ryan Leaf can throw for four thousand yards with this offense. I don't want to poo-poo the you know, the SI brand too much or these projections uh, projections too much. It's it's one man's opinion, just like Pro Football Focus. We always talk about they really don't have the feel for the Broncos, and that's what it is. I don't think it's a lack of football knowledge. I'm not going to attack them personally. I just think it's they don't follow the Broncos on a day-to-day basis. They don't know the, the ins and outs of the Broncos or, or what where they've been and where they're going. Drew Locke can easily fo- throw for 4,000 yards, but a lot of national media types, as we've seen, have apprehension and, and suspicion, and they're tentative to declare the Broncos this contending team. And by doing so, they tend to take the lower end of the projections. And that's why you see less than 1,000 yards for Cortland Sutton. That's why you see the projections for Drew Locke. They just they don't believe yet. But as I always say, they will see come January, they will be all feasting on their crow with salt, with pepper, with olive oil. They'll be chomping down on it because they, the Broncos, will prove all these haters wrong. And in the meantime, as I always say, as you guys know, let them hate. Uh, Glenn uh, jumping in four ninety nine. Thank you so much, Glenn. He goes twenty four seven throwback tonight. Zach, as always, great job. Hashtag state of being in New Hampshire. That's awesome, Glenn. Thank you so much. And I do recognize you uh, from the twenty four seven days. Feels like a while ago, doesn't it? It feels like just eons ago. But that's that's the state, you know, of, of the digital landscape. That's what uh, things happen the way things happen. And I'm glad to be on here with you guys and with you, Glenn. And uh, thank you for tuning in and uh, remembering. Uh, David jumping in 999. Thank you so much, David. Hey, Zach, having flashbacks of your Facebook lives. Great job. My question is, do you see Eric Berry making a roster anywhere in the league? Man, what happened to Eric Berry? I I mean, I know what happened to him, but that guy at one time was the premier safety in the NFL. I mean, he was just the top. He was just the gold standard and he had cancer. Then he had his, uh, his Achilles issue. It wasn't, it was, I can't remember the name of the uh, injury, but it was like, it, it dug into his Achilles and he's been on the open market the last couple seasons. I don't see it happening this year only because any team that would even think about signing him would want him to take a physical. And right now facilities being kind of open, but not really open, kind of open to players, but not really open to players. I don't see Eric Barry landing on a roster. It, it would take, um, a, a huge leap of faith 
by an NFL team to bring a guy in who hasn't played for a couple seasons. Great guy. It's just one of those unfortunate situations where I think injuries have claimed the prime of his career, and you can't get that back. He, he, he will never be the same player as he used to be, unfortunately. But it's the way the NFL goes sometimes. All right, let's go through some of these questions. Before I, uh, a couple more, uh, Buana, then we'll, we'll jump into the uh, Jamal Adams take real quick. Let's take one more, then we'll get to Adams. What we got? All right, Larry wants to know, are you confident in Bryce Callahan reportedly being 100% and ready to go? I will believe it when I see it. That's one of those things where I just can't trust what the Broncos were saying because he's so, it's so mysterious. It's so ominous as to what his status really is. Last year, he was doing great in training camp. He looked like better than Chris Harris Jr. Then he had that foot set back and he was just on in mothballs for a calendar year. I will believe it when I see with Bryce Callahan, though I think, like I've been saying, if he's still not healthy after an entire year of sitting on his butt, uh, the Broncos have bigger problems, and I think Bryce Callahan has bigger problems than just football. I, I do think, though, in September, when week one rolls around, he will be in the starting lineup. But whether he is either the same player as he was with the Bears and whether he can stay healthy for a full 16-game season, he has to prove that. He can be healthy now, and the Broncos can say what they want now, but when they get on the grass, and it, it's all on Callahan to show that he can stay healthy. All right. All right, we'll, we'll jump. Uh, we'll deal with Stu. Stu uh, Zeus jumping in again, 999. Thank you so much, Stu. Flashback to 24-7 days. What happens if for some crazy uh, reason Judy plays out, outplays Sutton? Can that happen or too unrealistic? You know, I don't think it's that – I don't believe it's going to happen, but I don't think it's that crazy. I do think Jerry Judy's talent obviously – um, is is off the charts. He is a pro-ready prospect, a day-one prospect. You saw his footwork video. You saw the shape he's staying in. He has unreal talent. And if Drew Locke really um, builds a chemistry with him and, and takes that next step, he can have a 1,000-yard year. He can maybe, in certain times, outshine Cortland Sutton and, and do things that Cortland Sutton can't do. That being said, though, Cortland Sutton can do things that Jerry Judy can't do, and Cortland Sutton has skin in the game, whereas Jerry Judy is a rookie who has to prove himself. So you're asking me personally, I don't see it happening. I see Cortland Sutton being the bona fide wide receiver one, and I see Jerry Judy being that perfect Robin to his Batman as the wide receiver two. Regardless, though, the Broncos have an unreal wide receiver core, and it's exciting to uh, see it develop and play out. Uh, real quick, though, um, I want to get to this Jamal Adams news. I see some of my questions asking about him. There was a report that came out and said that he requested a trade again from the Jets. It's like the fourth time this offseason he wants out of New York. They don't want to pay him. He wants a big contract. Adam Schefter came out and named seven teams that can be in play for Jamal Adams in a potential trade. The Broncos were not one of them, and color me unsurprised. I, you're not going to give up a first-round draft pick and then some and also pay a huge contract to his safety when Justin Simmons doesn't even have a contract yet, when you have Kareem Jackson taking up a significant amount of cap space. No chance. Jamal Adams in this defense would be unreal. It would be unfair to put him here. He can do everything in the defensive backfield. It would just take this defense to new heights. But it's a luxury. It would be a luxury. You don't need him. You might want him. You don't need him. I see other teams, maybe the Eagles, maybe the uh, the Texans, maybe the Cowboys can make a trade for Jamal Adams, but no way in hell. Even if Schefter named him, the Broncos are on his list, it's not going to happen. No way, no how. All right, let's keep going. 
David jumping in again with 24.99. Thank David. You don't have to do that, man. We, we appreciate it so, so greatly. Thank you so much. He goes, uh, Zach, I heard on NFL Network that Chargers and other teams are considering Kaepernick. Are they flipping serious? Do you really think that will play in 2020? You know, personal opinions aside and politics aside and everything else like that, I don't know. I I, I really, I, I don't know what his status is going to be. I don't know what his future holds. I just read that he he signed on with some media company. He's going to write articles on race. I A big part of me thinks that when he did the whole, he sued the NFL, first of all. A lot of people forget that. He sued the NFL and they settled out of court. So he took them to court and won the collusion case against them. You don't do that to an employer that I think you want to come back to. I think a big part of Kaepernick's reasoning is that he resigned himself to not playing in the NFL again. Whether that's his own volition or whether that's him being blackballed by owners and and general managers, I don't know. Another part of me says with all this civil unrest and all this, this potential pressure and all this pushback, I believe one team will be not forced, but kind of nudged, you know, a little bit to take on Kaepernick. I mean, the Chargers mentioned they were considering him on their emergency list. I don't know how serious that is. I don't know how far that's going to go. But I believe the teams that need quarterbacks already have them. And we're going into training camp in about six weeks. And he's not going to start. He might not even be a number two. And does his addition overrule the baggage he would bring? That's my thing. If you bring him into Denver, let's say, would he offer more than Jeff Driscoll? That's debatable. But does he offer more baggage than Jeff Driscoll? That is not debatable. And that's what I think is the problem and the crux with a lot of teams. And a lot of you know people forget he wasn't that great toward the tail end of his career. He, he really wasn't doing that well. He might have been blackballed. They, they, they might have colluded against him, but he wasn't the same guy as he was in the beginning of his career. And I think that also is part of the reason it's often overlooked as to why he's out of a job. So you ask me right now, you know what? My, my gut says a team like the Chargers or maybe a, a, a progressive team will bring him in for a workout, but whether he gets a contract I don't know about that. He had that workout last year staged by the NFL. He didn't look that great to me. He looked like a rusty guy, kind of out of shape. He didn't look like he cared that much. So maybe a workout, maybe a tryout, maybe a photo op. I don't see him landing a contract, though, anytime soon. All right, Josh Packer, he asks, uh, why didn't we address our linebacker core? We still can't cover running backs and tight ends unless you bring in Simmons or Jackson down to cover Thoughts. Well, they, they did draft Justin Sternad, who's going to be probably the starter inside linebacker next to A.J. Johnson. And this is something that Chad and I talk about a lot. This is why um, they didn't last year splurge on, on Devin Smith or Devin Bush. They didn't trade for Darren Lee. They didn't, they didn't make a play for an inside linebacker because Fangio cut his teeth coaching linebackers. That's where he got to start from. So he thinks he can mold linebackers and make chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. I think that's the only reason for that. There's there's no other – it's not a coincidence as to why they waited to the later rounds to, to nab Justin Sternad. So they did make some moves. They re-signed Jerry Attachew. They have Malik Reed. They have Bradley Chubb coming back. They have Von Miller. They have Justin Hollins. They actually have – a pretty nice stable of linebackers, and with Fangio's coaching and the, and, the, and the players around them, I'm not too worried. I think linebackers actually a, a bigger bigger strength on the defense than defensive line. What else? What else we got? Going through some of the questions here. Oh, here we go. 
Bon, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll play off you for a second. Yeah, I want to talk about this anyway. Uh, any updates on Jason Peters? Well, obviously, you know, we all or some of us want the Broncos to sign Jason Peters to be that backup tackle, to be that swing guy, to be the insurance behind Garrett Bowles. And Jawan James hasn't happened to this point, and it's looking like maybe now uh, he's going back to Philadelphia. Maybe. I haven't heard anything. It's not official, but the, uh, the guard for the Eagles, Brandon Brooks, great guard, a number five uh, you know, top five guard in the NFL. He tore his Achilles, I believe, in a workout away from the facility. He's done for the year. So some are saying it in the Philadelphia the realm that he might, Jason Peters might come back to Philadelphia to play guard, left guard. Could happen. They have some young guys. I'm not really that well-versed on the Eagles. I don't know the roster up and down. They have some young guys. They drafted a guy this year in the middle rounds. But Peters, you know, at this stage of his career, he's older. He has talent still. Guard could be easier for him to play, just kick him inside. That's a possibility. But the more days that go on, to answer a more Broncos-specific question, the more days that go on, the more unlikely it is that Peters is coming to Denver. I, for whatever reason, I just think the Broncos are happy right now with Wilkinson, a hobbled Wilkinson, who's not a natural tackle, behind Garrett Bowles and Juwan James. Duke jumping in. Nice job on the pod tonight, Zach. Appreciate you, Duke, as always, man. You're always so supportive, and you're always so appreciative and nice, and uh, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. And I, Chad appreciates it. I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. So uh, appreciate your kind words. Uh, Robert wants to know, which part of the offense or defense is a must-produce for the Broncos to become a playoff contender? Offense. I, I mean, the defense is already there. The defense has Fangio. They have uh, youth. They have veterans. They have pro bowlers on that defense. It's the offense. The offense will be the difference, and we've said it for, for what it seems like eons now, the difference between being 8-8 eight and eight versus 10-6 and six or 11-5. and five. That's, the, that's the thing with Drew Locke. He can either be a good quarterback, or if he takes the next step as the Broncos think, he can be a great quarterback. So it's all on the offense. It all comes down to the quarterback. It's all on Locke. It's, it's on his shoulders, literally and figuratively, what the Broncos will do this year. I happen to think they will take that next step. I think they'll have a top you know, 13 to 15 offense at the worst, you know, potentially, and they can have a top five, top 10 defense at the worst. You put those two things together, that's a playoff team. We've seen it for years. I mean, the Broncos carried a top, a bottom five offense to a title in 2015 with a broken down Peyton Manning and Brock Osweiler. You put now a top five defense with a top, let's say 12 offense, that's a playoff team. That's a scary playoff team who doesn't really have one weakness or the other on either side of the ball. Uh, Joe Flax jumping in. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Judy will be the best, will be the next Marvin Harrison on the field. Size, speed, route running, all similar. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, uh, Marvin Harrison, Amari Cooper. These are the the the, the really um, high ceiling comparisons for Jerry Judy. And I can absolutely see it. If you guys haven't seen Jerry Judy's uh, video on Twitter with showing off his footwork. You guys have to watch it right now. It's a must watch. Not right now. Wait till after the pod, but go check it out. Uh, he, it's, it's incredible. My knees and my ACLs actually buckled me sitting in my chair, watching Jerry Judy, just the way he moves and his fluidity and, and his footwork is incredible. So Marvin Harrison, it's a little, a little optimistic because he's a Hall of Famer, Harrison, and Jerry Judy hasn't taken one snap as a pro, but he for sure has the chops. He for sure has the, the physical traits. He has the work ethic. He has the footwork to be an Amari Cooper type or Marvin Harrison type. And you pit Amari Cooper, Marvin Harrison, and Cortland Sutton, that is a scary, scary offense. 
Uh, Mike Evans dropping in 499. Thank you so much, Mike. Bonafide superstar. Always appreciate having you around. He goes, appreciate you. Uh, Raiders have added pieces to their defense. How wide is the gap between the Raiders and the Broncos? I, I think the Broncos are a better team, and I think they will have a, a better record this year. But I can't sit here and deny that the Raiders, they didn't have a good offseason. They did. They, they, they signed a lot of the players that I wanted the Broncos to sign. They drafted some players like Henry Ruggs, who I wanted the Broncos to draft. I'll give Gruden and Mayock credit for that. They, they really do. Uh, they really put a nice team together this season, and I think they're going to be a lot more competitive than we've seen in recent years. I just think, you, you know, break it down. Who has the better coaching? I think that's Vic Fangio. Who has the better quarterback? If Locke hits his ceiling, it's Locke, not Derek Carr. I mean, who has the better defense? That's the Broncos. When you put all those things together, they're going to be a better team. But there's not going to be, I don't believe, one basement dwelling, you know, 2-14, and 3-13 and 13 team this year in the AFC West. They're all going to be fairly competitive. I can see the Raiders leapfrogging the Chargers. Um, I just think the Broncos, no bias, no agenda. I just think the Broncos are a better team. Uh, Wyatt jumping in. Bosby is my dark horse to take the second outside corner spot and ball. I, I fully agree with you, and I think he will be the starter on the outside opposite A.J. Boye with Bryce Callahan in the slot. I, I believe Michael Lowe is a little too unpolished at this point. He's a little too green. He has a lot to prove. They don't really have any with Isaac Adam. Isaac Adam, I'm not counting. He's, you know, he's whatever. They have Duke Dawson. They have uh, they have Harris. Those are just Jags, though. Bosby showed last year. I mentioned on yesterday's pot. Bosby showed he can be a starting caliber player, especially in a Vic Fangio defense. I was actually watching a highlight of the Packers Broncos game, and the way he makes plays on the ball. I mean, he just has that the length and also the instinct. He's the perfect Vic Fangio corner, and he did a lot last year before having that neck injury. Assuming he's healthy, which he is at this point, he will start on the boundary opposite A.J. Boye with uh, Bryce Callahan in the slot. I'm a huge, huge Bosby fan. I'm so happy they brought him back. Uh, good question, Juan. A cornerback depth that we could trade for. I, I I would have to look into that question. I would have to see what cornerbacks are on the trade market. They had a chance, though, as we all know, the Broncos, they they – Prince of Mukamara was on the open market for the taking. He was on there for, for three months before he got a contract. They didn't want to sign him. They didn't want Logan Ryan. They didn't want um, – I can't think of the other guy who was on the free agent market. They didn't want anyone. I mean, they wanted to draft Michael O. They wanted to bring back Bosby. They traded for Boye. They made moves at cornerback, but we all would have been more satisfied if they would have had one more veteran along with A.J. Boye. Just for insurance, just for stability purposes, didn't happen. So that would lead me to believe they're not going to make a trade for a cornerback when they could have just signed one on the open market and saved their capital. I would have to uh, uh, check into that, though. I'd have to look at the, the, the cornerbacks that are on the block, and I would go for I will, I'll answer that question again. Uh, Terry jumping in. Uh, uh, north of the border. Terry, you're, uh, you're our Canada ambassador. We always appreciate you, Terry. $5 donation. Uh, great job tonight, Zach. Appreciate you. Just a little tweeting. Just a little tweezing, and you'll be looking good for your high school <laughs> graduation. Much love, brother. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag Broncos. I don't know whether that's a reference to. Is that playing off the report card joke or, or this and that? I, 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 I take the ribbing, though. I'm a good sport. I give it back to you guys as well, so it's all in good fun. What else? What else? Let's see what we got here. 
So here we go from Flippin' Booch. Uh, Zach, you think Denver will dominate games instead of barely winning like last year? Some games. I mean, they have some weaker opponents on the schedule. Uh, other games are going to probably struggle. I mean, they're not going to go 16-0. They're not going to have a winless season. They are going to lose some games. They are going to struggle. But it, it comes down to the offense. The defense will, will limit the Patrick Mahomes of the world to 17, 24 points in that range. But can the offense be the one to take the next step? If they can do that, if they have a top 10, 12 offense, they can blow out some teams. And I expect the, the wins this year, though, to be a little more comfortable than we did last year. I don't know. Dominate, that's so subjective. That can mean shutout. That can mean 40 points. It can mean five turnovers. I don't know about dominate, literally, but they're going to win games a lot more comfortably and, and probably on the strength of their offense being a lot more improved. What else? Glenn jumping in. I'm still in shock. We picked wide receiver one and two this draft. Beyond excited for this offense. I was I was not surprised at all about the Jerry Judy pick. That's just great value getting him at 15, not having him to move up for him. KJ Hamler, I was not a fan, not going to lie, of that pick when it was made. I thought the Broncos were just – it was a luxury pick. They were just uh, ignoring other areas like tackle to grab another wide receiver. I've kind of come around to it, though, only because what he can do, at least initially – to help out Jerry Judy, to help out Cortland Sutton, to help out Noah Fant, to help out Drew Locke. I mean, you can never have too many weapons in an offense, especially for a gunslinger-type quarterback. I've kind of warmed up to it, though. If he doesn't really pan out and the tackle problem still you know, persists, then we can all question the Broncos. Maybe they should have drafted cornerback higher. Maybe they should have drafted a tackle. Maybe they should have drafted another guard. I don't know. So I wasn't crazy about it, but I've kind of, kind of come around to it. Terry goes, if you shave the beard, you'll look 16 years old. Yeah, I can't remember the last time that I fully shaved. It's just, I, I do look really super young when I shave. And I, the last time I did it, I said never again. So I just go with the kind of keep it a little long and keep it kind of groomed. So I'm not, uh, I'm not interested in looking 16 years old for sure. Uh, John Juno jumping in. Why is everyone so down on Bryce Callahan? Dude was a pro bowler before the injury. It's because he didn't play last year. I mean, simple as that. You pay a guy $21 million, $7 million per season, and he sits out the entire year after a setback with his foot. That's the only reason why. It's unfortunate. It's not really his fault for getting hurt, but that's exactly why fans want to see what he can do in Denver. It doesn't really matter what he did in Chicago. Yeah, he was a pro bowler. He had Fangio. He looked great, but he missed all of last season. He's in a new team. He's in a new scheme. He's not the number one guy anymore like he was in Chicago. He wasn't. He's not going to be a star out of the gates. So I think that's a, a why everyone's down on him because they don't know what they have. We don't know what Bryce Callahan we're getting. Is it going to be the same guy in Chicago? Is that foot injury going to pop up again? Is he going to be limited? We do not know. He's getting paid a nice chunk of change, and he hasn't really done anything to justify it. Until that happens, you're going to see a lot of pessimism surrounding Bryce Callahan. Though, if he stays healthy, you're going to see the same fans come around and start to cheer his name. It's just the fickle nature of the NFL. Yep. As Buana says, as you guys see on the screen, drop a like. If you haven't already, please smash that like button. Smash it, press it, tap it, click it. Anything you can do to make sure that like button is established and we're getting those numbers up. It helps out the page so much. and helps out the pod so much. It's an easy way to support us, and we do appreciate it. Uh, Eric says, do you think Cushionberry starts day one? Yes, I do. I, I, they don't use a, a, a fairly high round pick on the guy for him to sit on the bench behind, what, Patrick Morris? Who else do you have that you could start at center? 
They don't have anyone else. They drafted him because they lost Connor McGovern. And the only reason they started McGovern is because they let Matt Paradis walk. It really hasn't been a great um, couple years in terms of center decisions by the Broncos, but the one good decision they've made is drafting Lloyd Cushenberry, and they're not going to have him sit on the bench. The only way that's going to happen is if he just bombs out of the gates or he gets injured. It's the only way. He will be a day-one starter on this offensive line, and, and a fairly good one as well. Kevin dropping another $5 donation. Thank you so much, Kevin. If Chad can write an MHH book, I'll supply the shelves, even if he writes a pamphlet. I got you, bro. Kevin, you and my shelves, man. What happened to the uh, book fund? What happened to that? Hashtag Zach's book fund. I missed that. Appreciate you, though. All right, real quick. Okay. Buona wants to know, is Ajim and Mike Purcell equal to DJ Reader? Actually, Buona and I were talking about this off-camera, and we thought it'd, be, it'd make for an interesting conversation in terms of what I think the Broncos should have done. Ajim, he was a guy drafted, great great upside. I mean, I mean, a, a great talent in college, a great physical specimen. He's not a slob-type player. He's pretty built, but he was a future kind of pick. He wasn't really made for this year. He, he's he's going to be learning behind Shelby Harris, learning behind Jarrell Casey, learning behind Draymond Jones. And then in 2021, when Shelby Harris might be gone, when if, Shelby, if Draymond Jones doesn't pan out, if Jarrell Casey, whatever happens to him down the road, he's going to take over. Mike Purcell, though, I mean, they brought him back. He was the number one rated uh, nose tackle in the NFL last year. He came out of nowhere. And as soon as he was inserted into the lineup, the Broncos defense was night and day. So the question is, do those two players equal one DJ Reader? And based on the contract that Reader got, I don't have it right in front of me, but he got a pretty penny. I wouldn't have done it. I wanted him. In the interest of full disclosure, I wanted him. I wanted the Broncos to sign him. I thought they're going to lose Shelby Harris. They're going to lose Derek Wolf. They, they, that was before the Drell Casey trade. They didn't really have anyone else. But you brought in Jarrell Casey for a seventh-round pick, which is great. And you brought back Shelby Harris for a steal for a one-year prove-it contract. Mike Purcell is not taking up a lot of cap space. And the sum of all their parts can be just as effective as one DJ Reader. As good as Reader would have been in this defense, he's not better than Mike than uh, Jarrell Casey. He's not a better nose tackle than Mike Purcell. He doesn't, I, I believe, have the long-term upside of an regime. So you have all those three versus one, and you save some money. I think it was the right call by the Broncos. As much as I wanted uh, DJ Reader, the way they went getting Jarrell Casey for a seventh-round pick and then bringing back Shelby Harris for a proven contract, that was uh, just amazing maneuvering by John Elway. A good question by Kevin here. Drop it in $2 donation. Thank you so much, Kevin. He wants to know, how much time do you think Miller has left? We get this question so often, man. Um, We even just addressed it last night, I believe, on the pod. It's... Von Miller, what he does in Denver, how long he he lasts in Denver, is contingent on Von Miller. What he does in 2020 will give a little glimpse as to his future for 2021 and beyond. If he's the Von Miller that we saw last year where he was kind of falling off and he put on weight and he just was not the same Von, then I can see the Broncos moving on. Then I can see the Broncos or at least having the discussion to start moving on. They can start thinking about, okay, is, Bra- is Chubb ready to take the, the stranglehold on being the guy? Is is Malik Reed ahead in his development? Can Jerry attach you kind of fill in? Can we have a replacement for Vaughn on the roster? But if he performs like the 2018, 2017, 2016, and, and so on and so forth, then I think Miller will come back and the Broncos will start to uh, have some open dialogue about a new extension for Vaughn. 
what what he does this year and a, and a really a make or break year for Von Miller will determine what the Broncos do with him going forward. I happen to think we'll see a lot more of the pre-2019 Von Miller than the 2019 Von Miller. I think he'll have a 15-sack campaign. He's lighter. He's leaner. He's more determined. He has Bradley Chubb back. He has more, you know, another year under Vic Fangio. I think we'll see the Von of old, and I think it'll put all these doubts and all these questions to rest. Uh, Wyatt jumping in. Uh, Chubb and Miller combined for 30 sacks. Uh, Shelby Harris and Jarrell Casey get 13 combined. I, 30 sacks, that's it's doable. I mean, they have the up, they have the talent for sure, Chubb and Von Miller. I just I, I see more of maybe 27, 28, which is right there, but 30 is definitely doable. 40, though, 20 each, not gonna happen. 35, probably not gonna happen. 30, if we get the Von of old, if we get the Bradley Chubb of old, and that's also another question mark. We don't know what he's gonna be like coming off that injury, having a, a pretty much an entire season off for the most part. If he can go back to being 2018 Bradley Chubb and Vaughn goes back to being 2015 Vaughn Miller, 30 sacks is doable. Now, 13 for Jarrell Casey and Shelby Harris. I could see it. I'm just not banking on that. I think five each is a good barometer because, again, you have Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller rushing from the outside. Those are your staples. Those are the guys who are paid to get sacks. Jarrell Casey is paid to get sacks as well, but it's not his only responsibility. He can stop the run. He can do other things in this defense. He plays a different position. He takes up more space, and he occupies blockers for Vaughn and Chubb to get those sacks. Shelby Harris, if he does have a breakout season, he's he's motivated by his contract. He knows that he needs another huge season to score the deal that he wants. He, he had to settle for a proven contract. It was surprising that he languished for so long on the open market before the Broncos got him back. But if he has another big year and is motivated to, he will get his deal. I can see 30 for Vaughn and Chubb. I, I could see 13 for, for Harris and, and Jarrell Casey. I'm putting that number, though, on about a 10 to 11, uh, that range. Uh, the, the Robot of Doom 5. I haven't, uh, we don't recognize you, so good to see you. Appreciate you tuning in with us tonight. Flaming Hot Take. Drew Locke will have a better chance at MVP than Kyler Murray. You know, it, it's so funny that you say that because I, I put out a tweet yesterday where I kind of, not kind of, I, I explicitly said that I like Drew Locke more than Kyler Murray. It's just preference. I, I like my quarterbacks taller than 5'5". Five five. I, I like prototypical quarterbacks with a big arm, with the alpha personality like Drew Locke. And Murray, he had some flashes last year, but he won Offensive Rookie of the Year only because he's a quarterback, pretty much. I mean, that's really the only reason. They, they give it. They get first dibs on it. He, he was the bright spot of a pretty bad team. He has Cliff Kingsbury. He has decent coaching. But I think Drew Locke is the more, I don't know, I just see more in him. I see more of the it factor in Drew Locke than I do with Kyler Murray. I mean, they both have a ton to prove this year. They can be the guys for their teams. But Locke is better for what the Broncos want to do, and he's my preference for a quarterback being a franchise guy. And I agree. I don't think either of them will win MVP this year. That's so much of a hot take. But if I had to come down to it, I'm with you. I like Locke more than Murray in most facets. Oh. Sorry, this uh, it's cold. It's killing me. Uh, Robert Skinner chiming in. What do you think of the seventh round wide receiver Tyree Cleveland? And you know, I mean, he's like this year's Juwan Winfrey. He's just one of those project guys. He's one of those dart throws you have later in the draft that you just want another wide receiver. I mean, they drafted Hamler, Judy. They have Sutton. Obviously, they have all these receivers. He's a developmental guy. I don't see him making the final roster. It would take a lot for that to happen. 
but I think he's a practice squad guy. I think he's definitely a project guy. And under Zach Azani's tutelage, he could be something down the road, maybe a number four guy, maybe in a best case scenario, number three guy. But based on the film that I saw of Cleveland, I, I wasn't that blown away. I, it wasn't like I was watching Jerry Judy's film. I, I didn't see a star in Tyree Cleveland. So, uh, you know, the Broncos, they want more wide receivers and more power to him. And he has good coaching, Tyree Cleveland, and he has a good opportunity. I just see it in a, a practice squad immediate future for him. What else? We have the time for a few more questions here. We're approaching about an hour now, so I'll, I'll stay on with you guys a little more, a little longer than we usually do. Let's take some more questions, though. A few more. I will right, take this one. Mile High Beauty chiming in. Uh, Zach, do you think the NFL will get to the point that they have to put NFL teams in a bubble because of the name that will go that will go unknown? It can't happen. You can do that with basketball where you're just less players and coaches on a team. You can't do it in the NFL. When, when you have 55 players on a roster, you have practice squad guys, you have what, 15, 20 coaches and, 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 uh, and athletic trainers and all these different people. You just can't do it. It's not feasible. So the NFL has to resign themselves to, listen, if we play this year with or without fans, they're going to catch the virus. It's going to happen. It's almost inevitable. You saw it with the Broncos. I mean, Kareem Jackson and Von Miller got it. Ezekiel Elliott got it in Dallas. It's it's almost inevitable at this point. And if the NFL wants to hold a season, which they've given no indication otherwise, they want to make it some semblance of normal, they, it can't be in a bubble. It can't be in Disney World. It can't be in a neutral location. It, it, it can be without fans, but that's that's just the chance they got to take. So no bubble, nothing like that. They're not going to copy basketball. Uh, they're on their own, the NFL, this season. Uh, Dre Addison chiming in. Speed, speed, speed. We got the speed. I was pounding the table for, finally, offense, fire. Yeah, I mean, say what you want about KJ Hamler and that selection. He does bring Tyreek Hill-type speed to this Broncos offense. And going back years now, since I've been covering the Broncos since 2016, they've wanted what they call juice on offense. They tried it with Isaiah McKenzie, didn't work out. They tried with Carlos Henderson, that didn't work out. That was an epic disaster. And their best receivers for a while were Cody Latimer and Benny Fowler. And they weren't, you know, they weren't anything. They weren't, they weren't tall, they weren't powerful, they weren't fast. They were pretty much jacks. So yeah, I'm happy the Broncos finally got that juice and you pair that juice with a, a dominating possession guy in Cortland Sutton, a technician, a route running wizard in Jerry Judy, and you have Noah Fan, you have the players that we all know, and you have Drew Locke on the offensive line, it's fun. And, and I, like I've been saying, win or lose, good or bad, the Broncos will be fun to watch in 2020. And when is the last time we can honestly say that, at least on offense? you got to go back to 2013 with Peyton Manning. So for seven years later, I'm definitely excited and ready to see an exciting, fun Broncos offense. All right, a few more questions here that I'm going to hop off, and we uh, we will be back in the saddle on Sunday. Chad should be back with me on Sunday night, so it'll be more of a normal pod for you guys. A couple more questions. What do we got? Uh, Dre wants to know a good question. Think uh, Kalfani Mohamed will is going to step up as a number three running back. It, it, it could happen. I mean, that's that's one of those training camp preseason battles where Royce Freeman is on notice. He is not locked into a roster spot. He is not locked into being the number three guy. It's going to come down to Mohamed, Bellamy, and also Kalfani Mohamed. And whoever, three players competing for one job. Whoever wins gets that roster spot, gets that job. Mohamed has the chops. He's like a like a... A Philip Lindsay light, he can do a lot. He's very quick and speedy. 
But I think the Broncos for the number three role want a more well-balanced running back. They have the speed guy in Lindsey. They have the workhorse in Melvin Gordon. Um, Muhammad is in there for sure, but Royce Freeman, one thing that you can say about him, he has the experience. He's been in the NFL. He's done this. He's accomplished. He's scored touchdowns. He's put up the yards. He has a lot to prove as well. And a lot of people are counting out Royce Freeman this year, and rightly so, but he has a huge chip on his shoulder as well. He went from being the guy to being uh, on the roster bubble. So that one prospect alone, him being fired up and motivated, can give him the edge over the younger guys. Uh, Thomas wants to know, is a new punter Sam Martin any good? I mean, he's not Ray Guy, but he's better than Colby Wadman. He, he's better than Marquette King. He's better... Uh, probably better than Riley Dixon as well. So he's he's consistent, he's stable, he's reliable, and for a punter, that's pretty much what you want. Now, you can argue that Tom McMahon, being the coordinator on special teams, is he going to hurt Sam Martin? Is he going to impede his progress? It happened with Wadman. It happened with King. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not a Tom McMahon fan. He, he should have been fired along with Sangarello. But Nick Martin is an upgrade on Colby Wadman, and at the very least, we don't have to worry, for the most part, about shanking punts, putting the uh, the defense in bad situations, you know, and and not flipping field position. That is going to happen with Sam Martin. So on the, on the basis of that alone, it was a good pickup. Robert chiming in. Do you see any off-ball linebackers available in free agency for 2020? Well, let me uh let me pull that up. I don't really have it in front of me. Let me pull it up real quick though. Let me go to over the cap, and let me go to the. Uh, the free agent inside linebackers. Cause I don't think the Broncos are interested too much. They, you know, they have Sternad, they have Todd Davis, they have AJ Johnson, Justin Hollins can play inside and outside, even though I prefer him to play outside. Let me just see real quick though. Let's go to free agency and let's go to inside linebackers. I don't think there's too much out there that would interest Denver. And again, they're not really high on uh, outside guys coming in veteran guys. Okay, so Alec Ogletree, Nigel Bradham, Mark Barron, who's more of a, of a, a dimebacker, Jake Ryan, Wesley Woodyard, Darren Bates, Vontez, Vontez Perfect, that's not going to happen, uh, Julian Stanford, and, and Albert McClellan. And then you go down the list, you know, Mike Hall, Will Compton, Preston Brown. I mean, guys, who stands out to you there? I mean, no one for me. Uh, that's your... If you bring aboard someone like that, you're all you're doing is impeding the development of a younger guy like Sternad or a younger guy like AJ Johnson. So I don't see a guy who's worth the contract. I don't see a guy on the open market who the Broncos would jump for. If they wanted to sign him, it would have happened already. All right, one more. Should we take one more? James Dodge uh, chiming in. I still think Levante Bellamy beats out Freeman as as a third running back. I can see it happening. Like I said, it's an open competition. That's one uh, battle on offense that's completely wide open and will be determined in training camp and the preseason. I can see it happening. And Bellamy was a great undrafted pickup. He can be that that new Philip Lindsay, that eighth round seal by John Elway. I can see it happening. But Freeman, like I said, don't discount him not only having the experience and not only having the NFL skin in the game, but also being motivated. He has been completely overshadowed, along with Philip Lindsay, with the addition of Melvin Gordon. He went from being, like I said, the starter, then he lost that job. He got Wally Pipped to Philip Lindsay, then they then Devontae Booker was getting carried over him last year, and now Melvin Gordon comes in. It could happen. It's all going to be determined, though, this summer, preseason and training camp. All right, <laughs> Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth uh, says he's a better hunter than Dixon. I find 
I can find a better punter on Groupon. Yeah, you know, it, it's been sad. The Broncos, they had Colquitt. He was a pretty good punter, and they got rid of him. Riley Dixon was pretty good. They traded him away. They tried Marquette King. That was a disaster. Colby Wadman, that was a disaster. Sam Morton, all I want is average. I, I want Sam Morton to be Garrett Bowles in the sense I want him to just be average. Just be reliable. Be consistent. I don't. You don't have to be an all-pro. You don't have to, got to be a pro bowler. Just be average and be reliable. And that's what I'll take for my punter. But I think, guys, that is going to do it for tonight's Facebook Live. I hope I didn't miss any questions, Bona. I don't think I did, or Super Chats. I don't think I did. But uh, that's going to do it for tonight's show. I know it was a little unconventional uh, with Chad being out and dealing with his uh, his uh, family emergency. But, you know, I'm hopping in, I'm stepping in, and I'm trying to hold down the fort until he gets back on Sunday night. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the banter and the analysis and the uh, what we talked about tonight will be covered. Again, we will be back Sunday night in the saddle, Chad Jensen and I on uh, 8 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Until then, though, as always, follow the main account, Huddle Up Pod. Follow Mile High Huddle. Follow me on Twitter at Kelberman247. Like the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Share the podcast. And again, guys, one more call to action. If you can, if don't feel obligated, don't feel pressure, but if you can, go to Huddle Up Pod right now, huddleuppod.com. Get yourself some merchandise. Get a hat, get a shirt, get a mug, whatever you want to see fit. We have more things coming to the store. We have some kids' products. We have some summer products coming out. We are continuing to adding to it, and that's because of you guys and all your support. We definitely appreciate it. Again, hopefully you guys enjoyed tonight. I'm hopping off for here. Until I see you guys next time, though. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.